0: Okay, well, so today we will be looking at Genesis chapter 5. You can go ahead and open your Bibles up there. But before we go ahead and study chapter 5, I'd like for us just to do a little review of some of what we covered at the latter part of last week's study and again this will be somewhat of a review so of what we studied last week. But let's let's go back and take a look at Genesis chapter 4 beginning in verse 25, just toward the end of it there. It says, "And Adam knew his wife again, and she bore a son and named him Seth." For God had has appointed another seed for me instead of Abel whom Cain killed. Uh, and as for Seth, to him also a son was born, and he was named or he, and he named him Enosh. Then men men began to call on the name of the Lord. Now, when we do take a look at chapter 5 today, we will see that Seth is 105 years old at the time he had a son. Now, there's nothing that says that this was Seth's first child. We're just told that at this point he had a son. In other words, he could have had daughters before he had a son. So as I mentioned last week, a lot of time is flying by here in the first four chapters of Genesis. Seth is grown and married, and we have found out now, of course, that he has a son of his own. And as I also mentioned last week, it's important to the whole story that Seth's Seth's name is mentioned here in the genealogy. And last week I took you to Luke chapter 2 where we looked at the genealogy of Jesus and we saw where Seth was in that genealogy. So from the lineage of Seth would come the Messiah. Again, that's the reason for the importance of him being mentioned here. And from Seth and his son Enosh, verse 26 there tells us that then men began to call on the name of the Lord. And we talked about that last week as well. And I mentioned that as we go on in Genesis, we will begin to study now about a group of people that called on the name of the Lord. Their focus was on God. So with that, we'll move on into chapter 5. And in some of your Bibles there it may say Adam's family record or it might say the book of the generations of Adam at the beginning of chapter 5 there. And again, keep in mind that we're going to look at only the descendants of Seth's line now as we go on. And this is often referred to as the royal line because of the fact that that the descendants of Seth believed in and followed God. And that's the line that we're going to tr- trace, the people that called on the name of the Lord. From Seth's family, that's called the royal line because they believed in and they followed God. And in that sense, you and I as believers in Jesus Christ by faith, were, we're of those people that call on the name of the Lord. So that's why we study the Word of the Lord, that we might grow in the grace and in the knowledge of the Lord to see how He wants His people to live. So in verse 1 it says, this is the book of the genealogy of Adam. In the day that God created man, He created him in the likeness of God. Now we've already talked about this in the past, but here we see a couple of things pointed out to us. For one. Uh, What we are about to see here in chapter 5 is called the book of the genealogy of Adam. A book is a written record. So mankind, from the earliest of days, could both read and write. Evolution teaches that they could not, that that didn't come along until much later. But the Bible teaches that from the earliest days, mankind could write. The book of Genesis is believed to have been written by Moses, whom, whom of course, we'll get to as we study along here. Now, the second fact, though, that we see in verse 1 is that God created man in his likeness. We saw that in Genesis chapter 1 as well. So no wonder that man had intelligence. No wonder that man had the ability to read and to write after all, they were created in the image of God. And it's always amazing to me when a baby first begins to talk. It's amazing that God puts this intelligence in the minds of human beings that they can figure out a language and begin to speak. And let's remember something too. The first two people that God created were fully grown. They were adults. Okay? So God gave them All of this ability within them to know how to do what they knew how to to do, and after all, they were created in the image of God. So it's not, you know, we don't have to be amazed at the fact that they could read or they could write or they could do whatever, they could learn, they had this intellect, they could do whatever. They're fully grown adults that God created in His image, right? So God created them already speaking, I'm sure. And I'm sure they already knew how to do many things, right? So man was created, and then verse 2 says, "...He created them male and female and blessed them and called them mankind in the day that they were created." Now, throughout the Bible, we will see many times where the word man is used interchangeably to describe both male and female, A New Testament example from the King James Version would be 2 Corinthians 5.17 that says, If any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. And of course we know that both male and female come to Christ and are in Christ. So that's just an example in the New Testament where it says, if any man is in Christ, that word is used interchangeably to describe mankind, both male and female. And then here in verse 3, we get into the genealogy, right? And Adam and Adam lived 130 years and begot a son in his own likeness after his image and named him Seth. Now, I want you to notice something there in verse 3. Again, we already knew that Adam already had sons, right? He had Cain and Abel. But now we're following the line of Seth, that royal line, those people that will call on the name of the Lord. So that's what we're seeing here. But what I want you to notice there in verse 3, in that that is that Adam's son is said to have been created in his own image and his Likeness, or in his own likeness after his image. So Seth, Adam's children, from that point on, they all had Adam's image. You see, Adam was not created by God in sin when God created Adam and Eve. Adam had the image of his creator more so than you and I do today. After Adam sinned, this had a major impact on every part of creation as we have talked about in weeks past. After Adam's sin, children were then born in that likeness, right? They were born sinners from that point on. And that would go on like this, of course, for the rest of time, even as we know it today, right? All of mankind, male and female, are sinners in need of salvation today. And the answer to the problem is to be born again, right? You see, there was only one man born after the sin of Adam that was not born in the likeness of Adam. I'll say that again, there was one man born after Adam or since Adam, there's only been one man born that was not born in the likeness of Adam. All the rest of us were born in the likeness of Adam, but Jesus Christ was not. Jesus Christ was not born in the likeness of Adam. Jesus was born of a woman like as we are, but He was born and He was the image of God. He was the very image of God. He was God in the flesh. But everyone else born since Adam has been born in that image, in that likeness, in the likeness after sin came into the world, right? Now, let's mark this page here in your Bibles. And we'll turn to the New Testament book of Romans, Chapter Five. Romans, Chapter Five, and we're going to look down at verse eighteen. Romans 5, 18. Everybody there? It says, Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation. Now pause right there. Because who is this one man that the Apostle Paul is writing about here in Romans chapter 5? Well, it's Adam, of course. And Adam's sin resulted in judgment to come upon all mankind from that point on. They would all be created in His likeness, in His image, right? In that sense, okay? Both male and female. And the result of this judgment was, as it says there, condemnation. We are all condemned as the result of sin. We are born sinners into this world. But of course we know that God provided an answer for this, didn't He? And verse 18 continues there and says, "...even so through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life." So you see, in love, God has given to all of the world a free gift. And we call this His grace, His unmerited favor. Anyone can receive this gift by repenting and saying yes to Jesus, becoming a disciple, a follower of Jesus, a person of God, right? And the result of that, when a person does that, is they become justified. As it says there, "...even, even so through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life." And then verse 19 says, For as by one man's disobedience, that's Adam, right? Many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience many will be made righteous. So not everyone will make this choice, but many will. And it's all to the glory of God, and it's all because of the grace of God that He's given us this gift to mankind, to have the opportunity to come back in right standing with him. So as we flip back to Genesis chapter 4, again, we learn that from the time of Adam's sin on, mankind was born in the likeness of Adam and Eve, right? And we, you know, mankind at that point had not just the knowledge of good, As God created Adam and Eve in the beginning, He gave them the knowledge of good. He created everything and said, it was good, it's good. Everything He created, He said, it's all good, right? And He gave Adam and Eve good. But then, of course, mankind came to the place of, through disobedience, of having the knowledge of evil as well. And you and I are born into the world today with both the knowledge of good and evil. And verse 4 continues... And speaking of Adam, it says, After he begot Seth, the days of Adam were 800 years, and he had sons and daughters. So all the days that Adam lived were 930 years, and he died. So Adam would live a lot longer after Seth was born, and more children were born to him. And then the the day of Adam's death did come. The man that made the choice to disobey God and thereby bring death to all of mankind was now himself dead. So there were indeed major changes that had taken place from the way that God had originally created everything to be, the way that God originally intended everything to be on this earth. And today we are getting a record here of the line of Seth and Adam. And again, this is important in all of Scripture because this is the line of which the Messiah would come from, Jesus Christ. But let's go on and read through this genealogy here, starting in verse 6. Seth lived 105 years and begot Enosh. After he begot Enosh, Seth lived 807 years and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Seth were 912 years and he died. Enosh lived 90 years and begot Canaan. After he begot Canaan, Enosh lived 815 years and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Enosh were 905 years and he died. Canaan lived 70 years and begot Mahalael. After he begot Mahalael, Canaan lived 840 years and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Canaan were 910 years and he died. Mahalael lived 65 years and begot Jared. After he begot Jared, Mahalael lived eight. Hundred and thirty years and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Mahatlael were eight hundred and ninety-five years and he died. Jared lived one hundred and sixty-two years and begot Enoch. After he begot Enoch, Jared lived eight hundred years and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Jared were nine hundred and sixty-two years and he died. Enoch lived sixty-five years and begot Methuselah. After he begot Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years, and Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. So, after reading that long lineage of Seth there, we come upon something that just jumps out at us in verse 24. Enoch, or Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. You see, if you look back there at verse 22, you'll see there that it says, After he begot Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years and had sons and daughters. Nowhere else in this lineage, nowhere else in this genealogy, do we see that said about anyone else, that they walked with God. There was something special about the way that Enoch lived his life after the birth of Methuselah. The New Testament book of Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 5 tells us that by faith Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. That's what Hebrews 11 tells us about Enoch. But do you see what I'm pointing out here to you? In verse 22, it says that after Enoch begot Methuselah, he walked with God 300 years. You see... There's something important here. The name Methuselah means when he is dead, it shall come. That's what the word Methuselah means. When he is dead, it shall come. Okay? So it seems that Enoch, in his close walk of faith, in this life that he lived that pleased God, in walking with God, that maybe he had sensed something about the birth of Methuselah. Maybe he knew something. And he gave this child a name that means when he is dead, it shall come. So it seems that Enoch knew that when Methuselah died, there would be judgment that would come upon the earth. When he is dead, it shall come. And you see in the New Testament book of Jude, verse 14, we're told that Enoch or Enoch, was a prophet. And we do indeed know that judgment did come upon the earth after Methuselah died. When Methuselah died, it did come. What came? The flood. Judgment came upon the world. So Enoch, in his close walk with God, and as a prophet of God, named this son Methuselah that name because he knew that judgment was coming. And Enoch... Was a preacher of righteousness, we're also told in the New Testament. We're told that about Noah as well. But Enoch walked around letting people know hey, judgment's come, judgment's come. And then verse 25 continues and says Methuselah lived 187 years and begot Lamech. After he begot Lamech, Methuselah lived 782 years and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Methuselah were 969 years, and he died. So here's something interesting for you to think about. Methuselah was the man that, of all men born, he lived the longest. Think about this. Of all the men born, he lived the longest. He was the oldest man to ever live. And after his death, judgment came upon the earth. So to me, this is an example of God's mercy, God's long-suffering. It was prophesied that upon the death of Methuselah, it would come, the judgment would come. But God waited as long as He possibly could. And he, He let Methuselah live as long as He possibly could, because that's God's mercy. His grace extended to mankind for a long time, and... The same thing holds true today, right? Today, God is still long-suffering and He's loving and He's still allowing mankind the time to repent and turn back to Him before the judgment comes. What judgment? What judgment are we awaiting now? We're awaiting the book of Revelation judgment, right? That we've studied about, okay? This judgment is coming upon the earth as well. But God is giving people He's waiting a long time. right? And, and the Bible says in Peter that God is not slack concerning His promise. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise. It says in the last days people will say, where is the coming of the Lord? Basically, you know, to paraphrase it, you Christians been saying this for hundreds of years. Where is the coming of the Lord? But the Bible says He's not slack concerning this promise, but He's long-suffering. And the long-suffering of the Lord is salvation. He's waiting for people to be saved. so we see it all the way back here, and we see it in our time now as well, that God is merciful and long-suffering. And verse 28 continues and says, uh, And Lamech lived 182 years and had a son. And he called his name Noah, saying, This one will comfort us concerning our work, and the toil of our hands because of the ground which the Lord has cursed. So, so now Noah is born. He is now in the picture here of this biblical timeline. And we know that Noah will play a big role in the judgment that was to come upon the earth. The garden, right, was a perfect place that God created man to be. But sin destroyed all of this. The ground was then cursed, we studied, right? But God would use Noah to wipe the the slate clean, in a sense, right? Man would still have the propensity to sin after that, but there would be a new start, a fresh start for mankind. So in this sense, Noah was born to give man a chance at comfort again, like Lamech said of his son. Mankind was given the opportunity to start all over again. Noah would go on to be, like I said earlier, what Peter called a preacher of righteousness. And it's in Jude 14 and 15 where it says that about Enoch as well, that he was a preacher of righteousness. And Enoch warned the people of the pending judgment that was to come, just as Noah did. Noah spent all this time building this ark and being mocked, I'm sure, for doing so. And today much of Christianity is mocked for preaching the coming of the Lord and that you need to get ready, right? But the day of judgment came then and the day of judgment will come now. But mankind, though, was given a period of time back then to repent before the great judgment. Right? But this time, as we live in this day and age, it's, it's the last chance. God has provided one final way to enter into His great comfort, and Jesus is the way. And Jesus is the only way. The next thing to take place in the history of the earth is the coming final judgment upon sin. And we today must live in righteousness. We must be preachers and teachers of righteousness. And Titus 2.11 tells us that this is what the grace of God teaches us to do. It teaches us to live righteously, to live soberly, to deny ungodliness. Let's mark this page and turn um, to Ephesians chapter 4. We'll come back and finish up with Genesis 5. But Ephesians chapter 4. In the New Testament, find Galatians and then Ephesians. 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians. And as I was studying for this, the Lord placed something upon my heart that just to read through this entire chapter, in light of everything we've talked about so far this morning, I want us to just read through together this whole chapter. So Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. Paul wrote this, he said, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called Grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now this, he ascended, what does it mean but that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things." And He Himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints, for the working of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkening and being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness, to work all uncleanness with greediness, but you have not so learned Christ. If indeed you heard Him and have been taught by Him as the truth, is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor." For we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place, place to the devil. Let him who stole steal no longer. But rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give to him who has need. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart Grace to the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ forgave you. So you see, there's a reason I wanted to read this whole chapter. Because all of this that we just read is the life that the Lord, our Creator, our God, desires for us. Do you find yourself in some of the things listed in this chapter, the negative things that is? If so, it's very simple. Repent. Don't do it anymore. Just stop. Turn to God and repent. Otherwise, we are grieving the Holy Spirit of God who sealed us for the day of redemption. You see, we will see as we go on through Genesis that judgment, of course, did indeed come and many people were washed away in that judgment. And today we know that there is a final judgment to come and we can either continue to walk with God by faith through this life as Enoch and Noah did, right? And thereby be taking, taken away from the judgment as Noah was and as Enoch was. Or we can remain in our sin and we can be left to take part in the judgment that is coming. It's The choice is that simple. But the Word of God, we just read in Ephesians chapter 4, gives us the way that we should live and the way that we should not live. And it's a very simple choice for mankind to make today. So let's turn back now to Genesis chapter 5. And we'll finish out the chapter. In verse 30, After he begot Noah, Lamech lived... 595 years and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Lamech were 777 years and he died. And Noah was 500 years old and Noah begot Shem, Ham, and Japheth. So Lord willing, we will continue on in our study and we'll study about Noah in future weeks. But there's one last thing that I want you to take note of here in chapter 5. And that is, is that in all of this genealogy, eight times we see the words, and he died. This person lived, and he died. This person lived, and he died. It seems that God wants us to be aware, aware of our mortality. All of these men that we've seen here thus far in the Bible were great men. And they were of the royal line, right? And with the exception of Enoch, they all died. So we are still under the effects of the sin today, the effects of the fall, I should say, in these physical bodies, right? If Christ does not return, we will all die. So the question that remains for us today is how then shall we live? Shall we live for ourselves? Shall we live for the pleasures of this world? Shall we get all we can, take what we want, do what we want? Or shall we live in a manner like Enoch did that was pleasing to God? This is the options that the choices that the Bible places before us. Which way are you going to live? Which way are you going to go? Right? And when we live in a way that is pleasing to God, as was the case with Enoch, we'll be able to escape the coming judgment. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you again for your word. Thank you for, you, for what your word teaches us, Lord. Lord, again, it's so easy as we walk around in these bodies to, to be fleshly people to be carnally minded people, to be selfish people, Lord. It's, it's so easy to walk in that way. But as we see your word, as we see your will for us, you are our creator and we see that you have a different way. You have a better way for us to walk in, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that each one of us here will make that choice, Lord. And those that will listen to this recording, that they will make that choice as well, Lord, to turn their hearts unto you, to fix their eyes on You, and to live in a manner that is pleasing to God. And Lord God, there's no way that we can know these things if not for Your Word, Your Holy Word. So thank You for Your Word. And I pray that Your Word will take root deep within us and have its effect upon our lives. We pray Your will to be done in all these things. In Jesus' name, Amen.